Have you ever gotten caught in a thunderstorm, in a rainstorm, in a tornado, in something just terrible weather, something menacing, something that would cause you to just die for safety and hold on for your dear life? Well, the person we're looking at today went through such a storm and clung to dear life. And the result was a promise that would change his life and the religious world forever. Martin Luther, a heroic figure in Protestant circles, with paper, hammer, and a nail. This man and his life managed to demonstrate both sides of the importance of independent thought in religion. I'm Sam Logan, and you're listening to the podcast The Story Is, the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the personal. This episode will conclude our look at dissenting opinions and the importance of the freedom of thought. This final episode will focus on the freedom of thought and dissenting opinions in religion, looking at the example of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was born in 1483. He grew up in Mansfield, a small mining town in Saxony. His father started out as a miner, but then rose to be a master smelter. Archaeologists worked and were able to find out that the Luther's suckling pig and owned drinking glasses. They had either seven or eight children, of whom five survived. The father wanted Martin, the oldest, to study law in order to help him in his business. But Martin disliked law school and would make a promise that would change the direction of his entire life. While in a violent thunderstorm in 1505, at the age of 21, he ran to a tree and vowed to St. Anne, the mother of the Virgin Mary, that if he survived, he would become a monk. He kept his promise and began religious training. Now, Martin Luther was ordained to the priesthood in 1507. He came to reject several teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church. Specifically, he disputed the view of the exercise of indulgences. Luther proposed an academic discussion of the practice and efficacy of indulgences in his 95 Theses in 1517. That is commonly what you see pictured. The, if you ever see a painting of Martin Luther, one of the big images of him is of a man nailing this piece of paper to a door and this big dramatic moment uh, that may have been a big deal may not have been a big deal at the time. In October of 31st, 1517, legend has it that the priest and scholar Martin Luther approaches the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, and nails a piece of paper to it containing the 95 revolutionary opinions that would begin the Protestant Reformation. In his theses, Luther condemned the excesses and corruption of the Roman Catholic Church, 
especially the papal practice of asking payment for the forgiveness of sins, indulgences. At the time, a Dominican priest named Johann Tetzel, commissioned by the Archbishop of Menz and Pope Leo X, was in the midst of a major fundraising campaign in Germany to finance the renovation of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Though Prince Frederick III, the wise, had banned the sale of indulgences in Wittenberg, many church members traveled to purchase them. When they returned, they showed the pardons they had bought to Luther, claiming they no longer had to repent for their sins. Just imagine buying acting like a dirtbag offsets. Yes, I did terrible things, but look, I gave the church money, so... It's okay. Luther's frustrations with his practice led him to write the 95 Theses, which were quickly snapped up and translated from Latin into German and distributed widely. A copy made its way to Rome, and efforts began to convince Luther to change his mind. In June 1520, Pope Leo X condemned 41 of Luther's 95 Theses, but he also gave Luther time to recant. In response, Luther publicly burned the papal bull and refused to renounce his propositions. He was excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church in January 3, 1521. On April 17, 1521, Luther went before the Diet of Worms. In response to questioning, he admitted that the books displayed before the court were his. But when asked to repudiate them, he requested time to consider the question. The next day, again, before the assembled diet, Luther refused to recant his works, unless convinced by scripture. Legend has it, he said, Here I stand, I can do no other. However, what was really said was, Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and councils for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen. According to Luther.de, it is legend that Luther said the words, Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen and that these words were probably only added to make the story more interesting, to make it a press sensation. Well, a sensation it became. That same year, Luther again refused to recant his writings before the Roman Emperor Charles V of Germany, who issued the famous Edict of Worms, declaring Luther an outlaw, an heretic, and giving permission for anyone to kill him without consequence. That's right. Luther was considered enemy number one. He was declared by the Holy Roman Emperor as basically free reign to be killed without fear of reprisal, without fear of punishment at all, because he dared to dissent. He dared to disagree. He was so threatening by simply by the act of disagreeing that he had to be killed. 
Luther found protection under Prince Frederick and began working on a German translation of the Bible, a work that took over ten years to complete. Now, the term Protestant first appeared in 1529, when Charles V revoked a provision that allowed the ruler of each German state to choose whether they would enforce the Edict of Worms. A number of princes and other supporters of Luther issued a protest, declaring that their allegiance to God trumped their allegiance to the emperor. They became known to their opponents as Protestants. Gradually, this name came to apply to all who believed the church should be reformed, even those outside of Germany. Luther taught that salvation, and consequently eternal life, was not earned by good deeds, but are received only as the free gift of God's grace through the believer's faith in Jesus Christ as Redeemer from sin. His theology challenged the authority and office of the Pope by teaching that the Bible is the only source of divinely revealed knowledge. And also considered all baptized Christians to be a holy priesthood. Those who identify with these and all Luther's wider teachings are called Lutherans, though Luther insisted on Christian or evangelical, the German name Evangelisk, as the only acceptable names for individuals who professed Christ. His translation of the Bible into the German vernacular, instead of Latin, made it more accessible to everyone else, an event that had a tremendous impact on both the church and German culture. It fostered the development of a standard version of the German language, added several principles to the art of translation, and influenced the writing of an English translation, the Tyndale Bible. His hymns influenced the development of singing in Protestant churches. His marriage to Katharina von Bora, a former nun, set a model for the practice of clerical marriage, allowing Protestant clergy to marry. Despite being hunted by the Roman Catholic Church, Luther died of natural causes in 1546. His revolutionary beliefs had formed the basis of the Protestant Reformation, which would over the next three centuries revolutionize Western civilization. Religion should not be afraid of independent thought. No pastor, cartoon, stand-up comic, or politician should justify violence or murder. Violence only confirms you have run out of words to say. You have no counter-argument, so attack. In this series, violence has been the tool of those who oppose freedom of thought. Whether it's a tyrannical government or the Catholic Church. The examples of Socrates, Galileo, and Martin Luther's freedom of thought and dissent have been met with the threat of death. In my opinion, this militant religious psychology of the past has infected the politics of the present. The far right and left are no longer political stances, but religions where purity is demanded. There is no room for nuance or a gray area. It's comply with everything we believe, or you're a heretic who must be silenced. No matter who you follow, you have to think for yourself. Case in point, Martin Luther. This man was about connecting people directly to God. But he also 
could not tolerate those who disagreed with him. Luther expressed antagonistic, violent views towards Jewish people and called for the burnings of their synagogues and their expulsion. He started as a supporter of the Jewish people, arguing that they had been badly treated by the Roman Catholic Church, and if presented with what he regarded as a more authentic Christianity, would surely convert. In 1523, he wrote an essay entitled, That Jesus Was Born a Jew, condemning the fact that the Church had dealt with the Jews as if they were dogs rather than human beings. They had done little else than deride them and seize their property. But when the Jewish community of his day did not convert, Luther responded horribly. In 1543, he published The Jews and Their Lies. In the essay, he calls for the destruction of synagogues, Jewish schools and homes, for rabbis to be forbidden to preach, for the stripping of legal protection of Jews on the highways, for the, for the confiscation of their money. Luther wrote, The Jews are a base whoring people that is no people of God, and their boast of lineage, circumcision, and law must be a common must be accounted as filth. His rhetoric was not directed at Jewish people alone, but also towards Roman Catholics, Anabaptists, and non-Trinitarian Christians. The man who had oppressed the man who had been oppressed for his religious beliefs was ready to oppress others for their religious beliefs. Luther fought so hard against the Catholic Church's strict teaching only to impose his own strict teaching on others. Anyone who's following Luther at the time, unless they thought for themselves, would be influenced to think the same. Freedom of thought and religion are not opposites. They should go hand in hand. Faith, belief, and personal conviction should be the result of someone's choice. Dissent causes problems, but it also demands debate. Another dissenter in religion was Carlton Pearson. Now, Carlton Pearson was an American Christian minister. At one time, he was the pastor of the Higher Dimensions Evangelistic Center, Incorporated, later named the Higher Dimensions Family Church Center, which was one of the largest churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma. During the 1990s, it grew to an average attendance of over 6,000 people. Due to his stated belief in universal reconciliation, that is, the doctrine that all sinful and alienated human souls, because of divine love and mercy, will ultimately be reconciled to God, which means everyone eventually goes to heaven. Now, how did Pearson come to this conclusion? Well, he didn't come to it in the middle of a storm, he came to it watching TV. After watching a television program about the horrible conditions of people suffering and dying from the 1994 genocide in Rwanda, and considering the teachings of his church that non-Christians were going to hell forever, Pearson believed he had received an epiphany from God. He stated publicly that he doubted the existence of hell as a place of eternal torment. He stated that hell is created on earth by human depravity, and behavior. He states on his website, a person who spends every day getting drunk will ruin their health, marriage, family, and career. They will make their lives a living hell. 
but that still falls far short of the chronic alcoholic being condemned by a just God to literally burn in hell forever and ever. For others, it may very well be that the punishment merited by their sins is greater than what they receive in this life. For those people, perhaps, there will be some kind of punishment after death. But we believe that it will be a remedial and corrective, rather than just punishment for punishment's sake. Exactly what will that be will, and how long it will last, we don't know. Will hell, for some people, last ten minutes and, or ten million years? We don't know. But this we do know. Hell will not last for eternity. It will not be endless. Don't sin. Be reunited with God now, rather than after. You have to put yourself and others you love through hell. In March of 2004, after hearing Pearson's argument for inclusion, the Joint College of African-American Pentecostal Bishops concluded that such teachings was heresy. Declared a heretic by his peers, Pearson rapidly began to lose his influence in the Evangelical Fundamentalist Church. I have a hard time agreeing with him, but I admire his exercise in free thought. If people have doubts, epiphanies, shouldn't they discuss them and debate them? Religion and faith should be intellectually engaged and possess active minds. Especially if we're talking about heaven and hell, reality, people's lives, their relationship to God. We should be thinking. We should be active, not passive. There's a danger in not thinking. When you are no longer thinking, it's not a religion you're following. Without the freedom of thought, you have mindless religiosity. Without freedom of thought, you have a cult. Overall, I hope this series helped you see that being less afraid of those who hold dissenting opinions from your own. Aside from those things that must be stood against and there is no compromise, the clear evils of the world, the murderous, the hateful, and the racist. Think about why you believe what you believe and those who believe and think differently from you. Do you disagree because their dissenting opinion is a bad influence? If so, so was Socrates. Is it because the dissenting opinion challenges your understanding of the natural world around you? So did Galileo. Is it because the dissenting opinion is making you rethink what you believe? Is their viewpoint making you consider there might be more, something deeper than where you are now? So did Martin Luther. Don't abandon your principles, but don't stop using your brain. Keep believing, but never stop thinking. Now, my inspiration for this series came as a result of hearing the argument of free thought for those who dedicate their time complaining about those who think differently than them. In order to have a free exchange of ideas, we need not only the free exchange of ideas, we need tolerance for those ideas, actual tolerance, not a buzzword for bumper stickers and a campaign slogan, 
but actual, recognizing people can and will think differently, and that this thought is not necessarily a threat and can be allowed to exist in society. I'm encouraging dissent, but I want to be clear. I'm rooting for the Galileos, the Socrates, the Martin Luthers, but not Carlton Pierce. Here's the difference. Luther had his epiphany reading the Bible, and Pearson had it watching TV. The difference is facts versus feelings, or epiphany versus discovery. Luther found a truth that was hidden by the Catholic Church in the Bible. Pearson decided to create his own truth through an epiphany, rejected the foundation of Christianity, the authority of the Bible, and yet still wanted to call himself a Christian. You don't get it both ways. With dissenting opinions, let's not dismiss them immediately because they are breaking from the accepted. Hear their story to see if this dissent is the result of a discovery or an epiphany. Put yourself in their shoes. If you had been them, would you have the same reaction? If you had that epiphany or discovery, could you keep it to yourself? Pearson says everyone eventually goes to heaven after a time in hell. Oddly, Pearson's descent would make him a good Catholic. I wonder if he's open to the idea of indulgences, buying time out of hell, the very idea that Martin Luther was upset about. In society, we do need a way out of hell. Say you tweet something stupid or ignorant, but as far as you knew, from your worldview, it was correct. Once you realize you've made a mistake, shouldn't you be able to learn and grow on? Shouldn't there be some way out of societal hell? We need indulgences. We need forgiveness. Martin Luther changed the direction of his life because of a storm. But his change would have meant nothing if he hadn't survived the storm. In order to change society for the better, silencing someone is not the solution. People also need a way out of the storm. My sources for this episode are Britannia.org, Wikipedia, Reformation.org, and Maclean's.ca, The Reformation at 500, Grappling with Martin Luther's Anti-Semitic Legacy. Next time, what you're going to be listening to is the 100th episode of The Story Is. So what's going to be happening next time? Something special and something different. Until then, I'm Sam Logan. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thanks for listening.